Hey guys, this is Hard Times Strong Men. Today we're talking about situational awareness. References for today are Training Circle or TC3-22.69, Advanced Situational Awareness, and ADP or Army Doctrine Publication 3-90, Offense and Defense. Situational awareness is defined as the immediate knowledge of the conditions of the operation constrained geographically and in time. It trains you to develop judgment and discernment through predictive profiling and observing your surrounding environment. These skills are useful because you'll, you will become, with their practice, predictive and proactive. Practicing situational awareness allows you to become and remain mentally aware, mentally awake. When you're mentally aware, you can become proactive to a given situation instead of reactive. So this can mean, you know, even from the mundane, catching a fly ball to as serious as picking up, seeing, observing information, and potentially avoiding a deadly conflict. We're trying to avoid as many conflicts as we can. That's how we live, win the long game. And just to give people, like, just a little practical application, when you're walking down the street, how many times... Have you seen people just sitting on their phone, head down, not paying attention to what's going on around them? These people are usually the ones you see on videos in the news getting robbed, getting beaten, getting kidnapped. They don't know what's going on around them, and they are the most at risk for something happening to them because they're not practicing situational awareness. This is what we're trying to correct. Also, if there's any parents listening, when you teach your kid to look both ways before crossing the road... You're teaching your kids situational awareness. You're also teaching them not to get hit by a car. Well, yeah, that's good too. This falls under uh, METC under the umbrella of METC. Do you want to go into that? Yeah, sure. So when we're talking about METC, we're talking about mission, enemy, time, terrain, troops available, and civil considerations. When I'm talking about mission, I'm talking about in the Army, we have what's called an op ward. It'd be our mission getting passed down, what exactly we're doing, what the intent of it is, the specified tasks of it the implied tasks of it and the essential tasks you may not have that as a civilian but it's something to keep in mind why are you going into an area why are you going out into the wilderness why are you going anywhere it's it's, it's the why enemy is the what it's what you're going to encounter it's any resistance you may have whether it be humans nature time it's how long it's going to take to do whatever you're doing terrain we're talking about Whatever you're going to come into contact with, you know, we're talking. Are you in the woods? Are you in a, are you in a shopping center? Are you are you in a street, a parking lot? Exactly, exactly, exactly. And troops available. That's just how many people you have that can go with you if you need them. Also, that is your what we call a QRF, a quick reaction force. So those are the people who are held back in reserve in case you need them, in case of emergency. Civil considerations. When we're talking about civil considerations, we're talking about anything that could happen involving civilians, which as a civilian, not much you can really do about that. In the Army, we, we, were talk, we would talk about uh, rules of engagement, ROE, or the rules of uh, interaction, ROI. Besides personnel, also has to do with, with, uh, with infrastructure. Right. In the Army, we would have to think about what we are going to do if we come into conflict with civilians or refugees, or prisoners, or whatever. It's also how you're going to interact with, say, civil organizations, government organ agencies, uh, private groups, the media, like 
these are all things you have to take into consideration when we talk about civil considerations. There's there is so much to think about, and it is a pain in the ass. I know. So as far as the civil considerations, something else to consider is perception equals reality. Uh, we could go over the we do an entire episode on the recent shooting, but this really it shows you a lot of things. But everyone's already seen the video of police officers stopping parents from entering the school to go save their children 40 minutes, an hour after it started. We're not going to get into that right now. I might later. You might later, but right now we're talking about situational awareness. So civil considerations, perception equals reality, hearts and minds. What is everyone saying about those police officers? What does that say about your department? What does that say about police officers in general? All right, this is important because someone even asked me on the Gray Man Network, I think it was yesterday or the day before, considerations for starting and maintaining, you know, training and maintaining a militia. Okay, you need people on your side. Militia's job is to take care of the community, take care of your neighbors, okay? But if you're going out to do that, all right, and you go over and, you know, beat every homeless person that you see, not a good look. Right, and right now militias don't really have a good public representation right now. Militias, thanks to the media and thanks to recent events, have been somewhat vilified. So you need to take that into consideration. You may not even like present yourself as a militia, but rather as, you know what? A neighborhood watch. Yeah, a neighborhood watch. That's a, that's a good way of doing that. So the principles of situational awareness... Understanding is the product of applying analysis and judgment to relevant information to determine the relationships within the situation. What you see, connecting everything, connecting all of your observations, connecting the dots, trying to make sense of what you're experiencing at that time. So a person's behaviors can indicate their mental state and motives. Human beings, like animals, leave signs in their given habitat. These signs can indicate that person's movements, mindsets, intentions. These signs can be observed, analyzed, interpreted. Okay, you can back that way for later, and nothing's wasted. It'll probably be useful. Friendly should determine a baseline for a given space in order to identify anomalies that fall above or below that baseline. Okay, anything that sets off that red flag in your head, that's important. And you need to log that for later. Behaviors, conscious behavior, scanning, observing, body positioning, emotional outbursts, on and on we go. So anything that someone does that kind of sets you off. So, you know, people having a hoodie pulled up over their head, hands in their pockets, kind of hanging out by a corner or two guys at the front of an alley. I mean, you're talking about deliberate behavior. Yes, deliberate, deliberate behavior, things that someone is doing that they're conscious of that is off of baseline, something that could you know, trigger that thought in your mind that something's not normal here. And then subconscious behavior, things that you don't really think about, your body language, your facial expressions, your tone of voice even, people's nervous tics, things that they do, tapping your foot, playing with keys or a lighter, things that that's outside of people's, out of their conscious thought. How about you talk about uh, different signs that we can pick up? So... Signs that you can look for in the environment you're in could be anything from footprints in the mud, in the dirt, the direction that they're traveling, to broken glass. I mean, broken glass can tell you if someone was breaking in or breaking out of something. 
it could also tell you the consistency of the glass. Uh, there could be blood on the glass. There could be fiber stuck in the glass, anything, hair, you know. Uh, abandoned vehicles. Abandoned vehicles could tell you that someone was in a rush. They wrecked. They're trying to escape. Or it was used as a weapon. You know, it could be any number of things. Shell casings. I mean, you see shell casings. That's that's pretty much just like a, a red flag to me. It's like some something bad went down here. Abandoned clothing. That could be anything from, you know, hey, this is wet. I need to get rid of it. I don't. I have something to replace it. To hey, this was. This could easily identify me in a crowd, so I'm ditching this. Disturbed dust. That could tell you if something was moved recently. That could tell you if someone brushed up against it, so they were in the room. So another thing on shell casings. So shell casings at gun range generally isn't a big deal. Shell casings next to broken glass inside someone's home is a little more of a big deal. And you should probably look into that. Yeah. So when we're talking imprints in the earth, we could talk we're talking about anything like maybe a car rolled through an area, somebody set a pack down, there was a struggle, there was a fight, an animal walked through the area. It could be any number of those things. Campfires. I mean, if the campfire is still hot, somebody was there recently. If it's cold, it's been a hot minute. If there, if it's built up, somebody was trying to stay there for a while. Remnants in the campfire. Yeah. If they were trying to burn for warmth, they'll be wood. If they were trying to burn something or dispose of something, then you'll see evidence of that. Absolutely. Abandoned meals. I mean, they were in a hurry. They just left it. Uh, they didn't want it. It was poisoned. Uh, those are just some of the signs you need to be looking for when, you know, your spidey sense gets ticked up. Yeah, and as far as that, um, what we what we define as baseline, okay, that's that's zero. That's net zero. That's after you've established an observation, say 15 minutes here in an environment, you get the lay of the land, you get natural movements of people, of things, what things are supposed to look like, okay? Baselines change. So you should always be reevaluating that and, you know, looking out for your, you know, your positive and negatives, okay? Um, and like I referenced earlier, baselines include packs, include personnel, and how they're acting. So anything above baseline is what I consider things that are there that shouldn't be, okay? So if you go to your buddy's house and you know that he's not there that evening because you're over to watch his dog and there's a black SUV that you don't know in his driveway, that should be a red flag if he didn't tell you about it, okay? Anything below baseline, your buddy shows up, you show up, you call his dog, his dog doesn't come. So th something that is supposed to be there, that is not. Now, when we're evaluating baselines and we're evaluating um, our signs, you know, in our environment that we're looking for, we're using critical thinking and we're being diligent with our observations. So critical thinking is the ability to process ambiguous situations through observation and analysis. Think Sherlock Holmes. All right. You're taking in all this information and you're making sense of it in your head okay the goal is to make sense to compare and contrast observations and your perceptions in order to draw a good conclusion okay when you're making that, these observations you're using your senses your five senses touch taste smell sight sound the goal is to gather evidence to make a full understanding of your environment and the events that are occurring in it. 
four elements of observation are awareness, take nothing for granted, be cautiously attuned, be present to a specific fact, certain area, state of being, understanding. Understanding is derived from experience, your education, your training, all right? It enhances your ability to consider all the factors and it aids you in evaluation of information. So when we talk about going into your mental bank, into your tool belt, okay, you're drawing on everything that you've experienced to that point, all your knowledge of a certain situation, and you're quickening these, um, these solutions. So it makes it so that you can focus on other things more. Okay. Recording. So your ability to save and recall observations. We will go into memory in a different episode, but a lot of time you see guys in the field running around with right the rain pens in admin pouch. Okay. You need to be able to record your observations so that you can pass it on later. And response, your action on a given observation. So you could write down a logbook, you could communicate with teammates, you could engage a threat. It's situation dependent. So self-awareness being possessing introspection, okay? You recognize yourself apart from other individuals and you're aware that you have personal bias based off your history. So when you're trying to make an objective observation, okay, when you're trying to record something as it is, you need to take yourself and your biases out of the, out of the situation so that you can process that so that you can report that in an honest and full way. Time about shortcuts. Say six, you want to get into heuristics? Oh boy, heuristics. So when we talk about heuristics, this is referring to an experimental process that allows a person to create a mental shortcut to enhance problem-solving skills and decision-making. What the hell are we talking about here? This is all about developing a rapid method of mentally categorizing observed behaviors. So stereotyping, educated guesses, common sense. I could go on a four-hour rant about common sense in today's society, but I'm not going to do that because everybody should know about this by now. So stereotyping. Everybody uses stereotyping to form opinions or judgments about the things they have seen or experienced. They, It seems to be something they use against groups of people. And when I say against, most of the time it is a bad thing. Stereotyping is usually a bad thing. Uh, educated guesses. This is just a rough guesstimate. You know, an estimate, a guest value based on experiences um, or just past knowledge. Common sense. Man, I'm going to try and keep this short because common sense is like near and dear to me. If you don't have common sense, I don't want to be around you. Common sense is it's just having sound judgment based on perception of whatever situation you're in or the facts at hand. It's it's common sense, you know. <laughs> like I, I don't even know why I should even have to like define this, but it seems like so many people don't understand common sense that I'm going to have to do it anyway. So there it was. So heuristics or heuristic guesses may not always be correct. Uh, absolutely. Okay. So common sense isn't common. Everyone's heard that phrase. The reason why we're defining a heuristic is because, you know, taking your biases, taking, you know, all, you know, using your self-awareness, taking that out of the way, 
if you can if you can develop a shortcut to make good observations to form sound actions okay that is good so when we get into weapons familiarization and actual method you know manual of arms when we're talking about actual marksmanship okay range estimation is essential for any rifleman okay and a heuristic that i use is i think it's defined as, or i think it's called the 100 yard method okay i grew up on a ball field i know how far 100 yards is and mm-hmm. i can put that mental overlay in front of my environment i can count in my head how many hundreds of yards about to the target okay that's a mental shortcut it is not always correct there are a lot of things that go into play with range estimation okay but it is something that cuts down my time for making that calculation so that i can focus on other things and so that i can be more effective okay so heuristics check yourself at the door but stereotypes are there for a reason. Educated guests are there for a reason. Common sense, when it's actually there, is there for a reason. Okay, everyone should be striving for. <laughs> everyone should be striving for common sense. I can't believe I had to say that. Educated guesses, when they are educated, and when they are accurate, are useful. Stereotypes are useful. Can they be abused? Yes. Of course they can. But the whole point of a heuristic is checking yourself at the door, checking your biases at the door, using your self-analysis, okay, your self-awareness, and using this tool for what is, is a tool, is amoral, okay? So if you can use a heuristic effectively, then it is going to save you time, is going to save you mental processing, and you're going to be more effective. So we had a couple uh, call-outs to predictive profiling. So what we mean by that is predictive profiling is a method of proactively identifying and analyzing behavior patterns. So that's your critical thinking. No, I just really want people to think about critical thinking because oh. that's my thing. Yeah, please, critical. Please, Holy please shit. use it. Please critical use it. Critical thinking. Critical thinking. Look, listen, it is good. It is good. I can I can show you the source. I did at the beginning of the episode. Critical thinking is good. Cultural awareness, proactive thinking and adaptability, and self-analysis and social awareness. Using all these tools together, you can you can literally go through a, a mental process of events in your head. Okay. You can pre you can almost predict what's going to happen, and you I was can about to say you can almost predict the future. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. So using these effectively, if you can draw back on your personal experiences, if you can critically think in this moment, in this time, in this mission, the situation, okay, knowing the culture that you're in, you just become more effective. It's a force multiplier. It makes you better. It makes your organization, your network better. All right. Hey, Six, how about you talk to us about OODA loop? OODA loop. OODA loop. Not only is it fun to say, but it's fun to do. This was introduced by Air Force Colonel John Boyd. It enables soldiers to change the situation more rapidly than a threat can comprehend. I'm talking pulling the rug out from underneath somebody. All right, OODA loop stands for Observe, Orient, Decide, and Act. When you're talking about observing, you're looking at something, you know? You're taking in whatever stimuli is out there. You're recording in your mind for whatever action somebody's taking, how they're standing, how they're behaving, 
what they're saying, orient. Again, you're just taking in whatever's going on around you, combining that with the past experiences in your mental database, and you're updating your observations and actions and act so that you can act quicker and more directly. So knowing where the hell you are, I can't stress that enough, know where you are because it can save your life. Anyway, knowing where you are so that you can act quickly and more directly without having to apply complicated measures. Decide. You know, you're thinking about it. You're trying to figure out what the best course of action is. Most of the time, when you decide on a course of action, it should fall in with any legal, ethical, and moral standards that you may have. Act. You're implementing your selected course of action, and you should observe to verify desired results. So when you do something, you're looking to see what the enemy does. You know, you're taking that into consideration too so that you can then keep going with the OODA loop. It starts over from the beginning. It never stops. You're always observing. You're always orienting. You're always deciding. You're always acting. It always comes back. It's the circle of freaking life. And you don't want to get out of it. So where you said, uh, so you're changing the situation more rapidly than your enemy, you know, the threat can comprehend. Okay. So I see a guy with a gun. Where am I in relation to the guy with the gun? What am I going to do? And then doing that thing. If you can build those heuristics, fall back on your observational database, okay, your tool belt, and you can decide what to do if you're not caught up in, oh, I need to do something, but I can't, like, I don't know what to eat. You can't freeze, okay? You have to decide and then do the thing, okay? If you can do that rapidly, if you can do that constantly with all, every new stimuli that comes to you, if you can see, all right, where am I? What am I going to do? And then do it. No one's going to be able to keep up with you. Those mental processes, all right, that's what's going to make you, if you can decide and act on something, on all the information that's coming to you before your enemy can, there's no, there's no real contest. So at the beginning of the episode, you talked about, you know, people head down, eyes on their phone. Okay. I want to bring up, uh, well, it's called a physiological response to stress color codes. It was made by Jeff Cooper, who is a former Marine Corps and marksmanship trainer. Okay. It defines people's levels of alertness. So condition white, you're not alert, you're unaware, you're unprepared, you're oblivious. All right. Heads down, eyes down, looking at your phone, you walk onto a train track and you die. <laughs> Yellow. That's one way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's how most people operate. Most people operate in condition white. Okay, when I was going to school in Maryland, all right, I would have to ride public transportation. And that is all I saw was people on their phones, people with their headphones in. Okay, you're not situational aware and you're, you're gonna get vibe checked. Yellow, you're relaxed in a state of general alertness. You don't really have a clear focus. So you're alert and aware of your surroundings. You're hard to surprise, you're hard to kill. You're observing for anomalies and you recognize that you have a possibility of getting attacked. That's where most people should be. You need to be aware. You need to be aware of your surroundings. You have to be in the mental headspace that this could in fact be a dangerous day. Orange. You're a heightened scent of alertness. Specific focus. So you recognize an anomaly. You see a potential threat. Okay. You're trying to predict what's most likely going to happen. What's the most dangerous thing that could happen. Okay. From the action of that person, place, thing, threat, event. Okay. 
and you're developing a general plan for how to deal with that. Red, you're alert, you're ready to fight, you're ready to act. You're mentally prepared for conflict and you could fight physically if needed. You're experiencing hypervigilance. You believe that the threat is real and is waiting for a mental trigger. It triggers a specific predetermined action from a threat that results in a positive, aggressive action from you. All right, so you see that guy with, you, with that knife and you're waiting for him to pull it up because you're gonna drop him. You're in condition red. Aggressive action means aggressive response. Violence begets violence, and if you're violent, if you're violenter, betterer, then you normally come out on top. <laughs> Name of the game. So, from what I can remember, you told me there's one more, right? Yeah. So this isn't a part of Cooper's original color code, and it was actually first adopted by the Marine Corps. Condition black. Friendly, you have been exposed to a stressful event and experienced a catastrophic breakdown of your mental and physical performance. You may not be thinking clearly. You're hearing tachycardia, so you're increasing an increased heart rate, the fluttering, the pounding in your chest, and it makes you counterproductive. Leaders, leaders must immediately identify if a friendly has progressed to condition black and take measures to prevent long-term adverse effects. Condition black, they're talking about PTSD, guys. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds real familiar. So when we came home, I know that, at least I was in, and from what you told me, you were both in, you know, red and black, depending on the day. So something I need to stress as a medical professional, condition black is not normal. No. Is not normal. Oh, God, no. Is not how your body is designed to operate in. Condition yellow is good. You're alert. You're better than... You know, a vast majority of the population, and you're making sure that you and your family's okay. Condition black is—it's not how we're made to be, guys. Okay, you're not supposed to be experiencing this kind of stress on your body for a good amount of time. Things start to break down, and it has serious long-term effects. I know we've said that this in the last two podcasts, but we will be talking about mental health because we will. Be striving to break down the stigma that surrounds mental health and getting treatment for it. All right, guys, that was our primer. That was our primer. That was our baseline for situational awareness. Okay. We can get into so much more detailed stuff on this. We will. So our like, our plan currently is even if we don't get together, we want to tackle this uh, individually. Okay. You know, I already gave you the reference for advanced situational awareness, okay, but there's a whole whole field manual on this with so much. I mean, we, we can break down this by the five senses, okay? There is so much knowledge here that I really think would be beneficial for you guys. So we will be revisiting this, but with any class that we do, we want to start from zero, start from baseline, so that we have a good foundation to build up off of. So, Six, do you want to help me out? And we can do just a just a quick breakdown of this monster of a class. This, you know, like t- like key takeaways. Okay, so situational awareness. It's being aware of yourself in relation to where you are 
and the situation and what's going on. So where do you sit, where you're at in the overall scope of things? Right. When we talk about being situationally aware, we're not talking about being hyper-observant, hyper-aware. We're not talking about that. That is... You can't sustain that. Keep your head up, eyes front. Don't get drowned in your phone. Don't, you know, keep one headphone out. You need to be aware of your surroundings, okay? Because someone's behavior can dictate what they're going to do. And, and we're not Batman, guys. We can't plan for every situation. We can't have a counter for every single situation. All right, that's going to drive you nuts. That's going to put you into condition red, condition black. Okay, that's not good. But we're trying to raise the standard, all right? Because when we raise the standard of everybody, everybody gets better. Six, do you have anything else, man? I have a personal example of when situational awareness has prevented a bunch of headache and hurt feelings. My fiance and I were in St. Augustine during Christmas time for the Festival of Lights, and we were in Old Town. I just had a feeling, based on how close quarters all the walkways were, all the people, that maybe I should be looking for something. And I've found that in my experience, looking like you aren't aware of what's going on most often will cause people who are intending to do wrong to light by their actions, by the way they behave when they believe that you aren't paying attention. I pulled out my phone and proceeded to act like I was completely just engulfed in that, looking for um, a location of a shop, I believe was my excuse. And my fiance had her head up and was actually looking around because I think she had the same suspicion too. We both clocked a guy who was looking a little suspicious. He was walking around in a dark hoodie, hood up, walking the other way. And normally that wouldn't be such a, I guess, egregious thing. But it was when we passed him and he immediately pulled a Yui and ended up basically positioned between her and the wall where her purse was. And both of us clocked it. So we immediately pulled off across the aisleway and stopped and she just looked at the guy and he glanced at her and then just kept walking straight both of us had no other inclination other than this guy was going to try and grab her purse and run which would have been a very bad time for him just saying but situational awareness from both of us kept this incident from escalating and it prevented her from possibly losing a purse and that guy from possibly losing some teeth. Thanks for listening. Remember to like, subscribe, share with your friends. This was Hard Times, Strong Men. Be better.